good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here uh, with Made Free Church, Made Free Church, Idaho. Uh, wow, man. You know, what a weird couple days, man. Uh, if I can get you guys' prayer, that'd be great. Uh, I was stepping out of my trailer last night, and I pulled either a tendon or the muscle. I heard a pop, instant pain. Uh <laughs> So I'm down for, I was down yesterday and now I'm down today. So I'm, I wanted to do, I was thinking about, you know, last night, I was like, man, you know, I'd love to do a Bible study, you know, since I'm going to be down, I might as well make it worth, you know, something and to study. So, you know, I, I think it was about four or five months ago, I did a study on what is predestination and a friend of mine and I were talking over the phone yesterday. We were discussing about election and about predestination. And um, I think it's I think it's fitting that we do this again, right? So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to pull up my notes and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I was reading through my notes. I was like, man, I wouldn't change anything, you know. So we're going to do that, you know. We're going to kind of step out of Romans for a minute and get into Ephesians. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, this is a great topic because a lot of people have a misunderstanding and a lot of churches don't preach or teach about predestination or election. Um, and, uh, you know, my friend, sh she came up with some really good questions that I couldn't answer that I'm actually looking for the answers for now. But anyway, let's get into this study, right? Um, now, uh, just a quick uh, announcement before we get started. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team set up to pray over your prayer request. It would be an honor uh, to pray for you guys. And uh, I have these guys pray over your prayer requests and, you know, either over a week or if you tell us, hey, just continue until I say something. Um, so uh, there is a, a prayer request tab on our website, madefreechurch.org. And we'd love to pray for you. Um, so, yeah. So let's get into this study. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just say thank you for your word. Thank you for predestination. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you, God that you love us so much, Lord. And uh, we ask, Lord, for forgiveness of all of our sins, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over this this study this morning. I plead the blood of Jesus over all who's going to be listening on the podcast and even on YouTube and Facebook, God. Just bless these people and give them an understanding, Heavenly Father. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. So let's get into this, right? So... Um, all right. So in theological circles, there are two main camps when it comes to the doctrine of predestination. And on, on, on the one hand, we have people who feel that because the doctrine is so embroiled, uh, in the past difficulty and misunderstanding that it's better to rather avoid the topic and do not discuss it at all, especially from the pulpit. On the other hand, we have a group of people who feel that the doctrine of predestination is so central to our understanding of Scripture and 
our understanding of God and how he works that we cannot ignore it. And that should be discussed and explained in depth and in great deal so people will understand salvation and how it's imparted to them. So I make I don't make any apologies or excuses uh, for the fact that I fall into that second group. Martin Luther, the great reformer, called the doctrine of predestination core ecclesia. Uh, core, ben, uh, core being uh, the Latin word for heart and ecclesia being the Latin word for the church. So in effect, Luther was saying that uh, was was that the doctrine of predestination is the heart of the church, right? Let me turn on uh, some more of Josh Snodgrass. I love this guy, man. I'm sorry, I always make mention of him. We're not even friends, but I use his music because it's so soothing and it's, you know, I just, I just love it. I just love how he plays. He's just, you know, and he's, a, from my understanding, from what I can tell, he's just a real humble guy, you know. So if you ever guys get a chance... Go check out Josh Snodgrass. Uh, he's an acoustic playing guitarist. He does worship. He does hymns and stuff like that. So it's actually really cool. So go check him out. And uh, so let's get back into this, right? Um, see, many would disagree with this statement, right? You know, I need to say something right now, right, guys? That I think that any other teaching of or doctrine that be, uh, brings us to a clearer realization of our dependence on divine mercy and grace than, than you know, than the doctrine of predestination. You know, I can't think of any teaching or doctrine that is more comforting, especially when we consider our struggles and difficulties when it comes to faith than the doctrine of election, right? They go hand in hand. Now, having said that, I, I need to, I need to, to tell you guys a word of seriousness and, and most severe caution today, guys, because as I said, this is a doctrine that has so often been distorted and misinterpreted and, and misused that it can be easily led to a view of which will regard God as being like vengeful or spiteful or hateful. And on the other hand, uh, it could lead to a view in which man becomes complacent or settled and satisfied in and of himself. See, this 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 is why we'll be taking, uh, you know, this is why I'll be taking uh, a considerable amount of time in this study uh, of the doctrine, you know, to, to be sure that we cover all bases, right? Uh, to be equally sure uh, that we leave nothing to chance of understanding. And the last thing anyone needs is for us to be jumping to any sort of rash, presumptuous conclusions. And that for this reason, I urge you to make sure that you study the scripture yourselves and make a biblical conclusion of this. So let's get into the study, right? So that we can lay the foundation for the study which is going to follow. Right to to begin with, I just want you to understand that predestination is not something which is foreign to Scripture, and and we need to realize that predestination is not foreign to the church or even individual Christ, uh, Christians. Every single denomination, every single group, every single Christian 
that has ever lived, studied that has ever studied scripture, has developed some sort of doctrine regarding the issue of predestination. So the question is not based on whether rather <coughs> predestination is the re is reality or not. It is based on whether predestination is scriptural or not. The question is not that whether the doctrine of predestination exists. The problem is that not every church, not every Christian has the same doctrine of predestination. The question that becomes one of how do we understand the doctrine of predestination? That's the question. And to be fair, I must tell you, only scripture will tell you if it's true or not. And I urge you to study for yourself scripture in context, right? So let's look at Ephesians 1 through 16 and verse 11, right? Um, oh, excuse me, 1 through 6 and verse 11. It says this, Paul, the apostle, uh, the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are uh, at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me turn this down a little bit. Grace, down to chapter, uh, verse 2, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love by predestining us to the adoptions of sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of glory of his grace, which he has graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. Verse, uh, verse, then we're going to skip to verse 11. In him we have also been made an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of his will. See, what Paul, what we have here is, 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 is Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, right? He, he's going to be giving them some theological guidelines in regards to, to Christianity um, with the regards of God in, in, in his grace and his mercy and his love. What is interesting about this letter is uh, is it the fact that Paul discusses the doctrine of predestination he does that in every letter but what is interesting is the fact that he doesn't begin with some doctrine telling about their freedom uh, about our choices and our responsibility but no Paul plunges right into the doctrine of predestination why is that important is quite simply because Paul considers this doctrine so important that the onset of the letter, he gets right to the crux of the matter, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, guys, if you guys want to, uh, uh, you know, if you guys are on YouTube or Facebook and you guys want to comment, please comment. I will see it and I will respond to it. Um, so with this in mind, if we go back to the question we need to answer is which is which was how do we understand the doctrine of predestination the first answer we must make is of the fact that it is theological priority right with all due respect 
to the wonderful men and women of God who feel that this doctrine should be sidelined and rather not discussed, they have never noticed or placed the doctrine of predestination of importance that Paul gives to, the, to, to, to this teaching. Secondly, we must notice that Paul is not beating around the bush, right? He gets right to the point that he wants to make. And he makes it clearly and without form of apology. The point that Paul is making is one of, about predestination. Before, but to be more specific, he's talking about predestination as it relates to salvation. Right? Now look at verse 5. Uh, uh, By predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ himself according to his pleasure and of his will. Again, predestination pre, he predestined us as adoption, uh, as adoption of sons guys I I have yet to meet a person who will argue with the fact the adoption that Paul is speaking about here deals with our salvation and let me make, let, let me just elaborate on the meaning of adoption that's set forth in the Bible right? Adoption is a divine act of God whereby God sets a goal for the believer. Man had nothing to do with setting this goal. Okay? It is solely the work of a sovereign God. So, the adoption reverse refers to our salvation and it does with certainty then we can, it does this with certainty then we cannot we may not ignore the first 3 words that are in this verse. He predestine us right it is God's it is God who chooses to adopt us right it was not us who adopted God right so back to our question is how uh, how we are to understand predestination and 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 we got to look at the second priority and, and and it's godly priority this is not something that we decide on, that, that we insist on, or that we deserve. This is a godly act. And when we read the verse again in verse 5, according to his purpose of his will. Now back to verse 4 again. Before the foundation of the world. Right in the beginning, before we had done anything to deserve anything we read in Romans back then God in his sovereignty ordained that we should be saved that is the crux of the matter right I'm going to 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 leave that here here today you know um, for the rest of the study I want us to focus on the importance of this doctrine and maybe give you the reason why we are going to do this today. In, in doing so, I'm, I'm going to share the doctrine, why this doctrine is important, right? And and we have to look at the first two already. And I have separated um, them from the rest because the first two that we will look at in more detail Right? While the other five will come to simply in an explanation in regards to the importance of the doctrine without specifically explaining something about the doctrine. See, God forbids us to tamper with his revealed with, 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 with his revealed word in 
any slightest way. So Deuteronomy 4, 2 says, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it, you that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. And in Revelation 22, 18 through 19, uh, it says this, I bear witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of, of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. As the doctrine of predestination forms part of his revealed will, right? It, it includes, it's included in his prohibition. Jerome uh, uh, Zacharias, the 16th century Puritan, uh, said the following, right? As an ambassador is to deliver the whole message with which he is charged, he is to omit no part of it, but must declare the mind of the sovereign he represents fully and without reserve. Let the minister of Christ weigh this well. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ and his apostle all preached predestination, declaring to the hearers the whole counsel of God. Right? Acts 20, I think it's 20, 27, Romans 9, chapter 9, 11, uh, Ephesians 1, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, Jude 4. Uh, we look at John 17, uh, verse 12. Uh, John 10, 26 29, and 6, 64 to 65. So, what shall we do then? Asked William Plummer. If the doctrine so offends men, shall we give it up? Are we, are we to make peace with human wickedness by observing a profound silence on this topic? Of this topic? Nay, let us rather imitate God who often preach it. That's some serious words right there, guys. You know, to, to, and, and that goes for all preachers, ministers, evangelists, right? In his day, Augustine rebuked those who passed over the doctrine of predestination in silence. And when he was charged with preaching it too freely, he replied saying, where scripture leads, there we must follow by adding this. This is what he said. Both the grace of the free election and predestination and also wholesome admonitions and the doctrines are to be preached. This is what uh, uh, writes Luther. In chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, the apostle teaches about the internal predestination of God. He tells us how it originally comes about that a person will believe or not will become rid of his sins or not, he does so in order that our becoming pious will be taken uh, entirely out of our own hands and placed into the hands of God. And indeed, it will supreme, uh, supremely necessary that this is done for if the matter depended on us. Surely not a single person would be saved since, however, his predestination cannot fail and no one can defeat his purpose. Our hope against sin remains. 
John Calvin said uh, says the same. Those who who try to overturn, he says this. The prime article of faith, God's eternal predestination, demonstrates their malice no less than the ignorance of their ignorance. In view of approaching death, he wrote, I, John Calvin, servant of the word of God in the church of Geneva, have no other hope or refuge than the than his predestination on which my entire salvation is grounded right all truth is interconnected preserve complete biblical testimony the doctrine of predestination is necessary comments of 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 of, of Zanchius right he says this the full circle of arts have a kind of mutual bond and connection and by a sort of reciprocal relationship are held together and interwoven with each other. Much the same may be said of this important doctrine, predestination. It is the bond which connects and keeps us together uh, the whole Christian system, which without this is like a system of sand ever ready to fall into pieces. It is the cement which holds the fabric together. Nay, it is the very soul which emanates the whole frame. It, it is so blended and interwoven with the entire scheme of the gospel doctrine that when the former is excluded, the latter bleeds to death. The truth of predestination should be preached and comfort believers, right? And uh, 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 Lorraine Botner, uh, I, I just I just found out who she is, but um, she said this: the doctrine of sovereign predestination should be publicly taught and preached in order to true believers may know themselves to be special objects to God's love and mercy that they may be confirmed and strengthened in the assurance of their salvation. For Christians, this should be one of the most comforting doctrines in all scripture. If we would, by means of comfort to the people of God, we must assure by showing them the marks of God's grace that he chooses them in love before the foundation of the world that Christ died for them in a particular and that the Holy Spirit who regenerated them shall certainly convey them to heaven and I can be sure of heaven sinful to not believe that God has ordained shall come to pass, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, new life, new light if considered that if we're chosen by God himself. Now, let me give you an explanation of the doctrine of, of predestination. As we continue our study, right? I want us, I, I, I want what is probably the most Again, the most controversial subject, right? I made an observation, right? That 
every church and every Christian that's ever lived has been brought to a point where they have been forced to come up with some understanding of the doctrine of predestination. I also mentioned that the reasons for this was undeniable and irrefutable evidence that scripture gives us with regards to the reality of the doctrine of predestination. What I'm going to do is I'm going to answer the question, what is predestination? And I wish I could tell you that there's a simple and easy definition, but the reality is that the definition is anything but easy. So we're going to spend some time defining what is predestination. To begin, <clears throat> we're going to look at the word predestination itself. And, and now remember, the Bible is not written in English. So to understand the word or words used in scripture, we need to go back and see what the what the Greek mean what the Greek word means, right? Now in many instances we uh where where the teaching of predestination comes up, the word is used a prodizio, right? Or poro redizo, right? So let's consider that that word for a moment. And and, and we begin with the prefix pro, right? Or if you want to translate it, we can speak pre, right? When we speak of pre, we speak of something before, right? The concept that the writers used in writing the Bible carried the idea uh, that this pre is even before time. Ephesians 1.4 clearly spells this out, before the foundation of the earth. So if we continue to look at the main part of the word, or dizzo, which which we say which it means to determine, right? So without getting into too technical and 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 difficult, our word English is predestination. Quite simply means determined before, right? And then also remember that it is determined before time. So, taking the meaning of the original language into consideration, we clearly and irrefutably say that God determined something before the foundation of the earth. The question that remains now is, what did God determine before the foundation of the earth? And before I answer this question, as a part of my answer to the question, we need to consider another Greek word. And that word is elect or chosen. Right? The Greek word is electos, right? This means to select. It's 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 an implication uh uh of favor or or picked out, right? <coughs> now God, you know, God is a respecter of no person and he favors nobody, but this is like a favorite, implication of favorite, right? Or you can actually say it's chosen by God to obtain salvation through Christ, which gives us the hint as to the what, right? So both words used to describe election or predestination is considered, right? It is to be quite clear by now that God determined before the foundation of the world to select or choose individuals to receive his wonderful gift of salvation. Okay, 
there's one more very important word that we still need to consider. And just like predestination and election, the word frequently found in scripture and often found in the same dialogue of predestination and election is discussed, right? The word is foreknowledge, right? The Greek word is pro Gensko. Again, pro referred to before and uh, Guinnessco, uh, where we get the word knowledge from, right? So the idea that God knows what will happen before it even happens in the finest details. Now, with these words in, in, in our minds, I, I, I think that we can all agree on some level or at least say that God somehow and in some way decides who gets to heaven and who will not, right? The big debate comes in when we start to discuss how God will decide or who goes to heaven and who does not. It is actually here that the churches and the believers alike have great difficulty in understanding this doctrine. While there are many views regarding the doctrine, time does not allow me to go into them all. But I'm gonna I'm going to do is discuss two main views regarding predestination. The first view falls far short from a clear scriptural principle, and that's why I basically uh, that the, the other views fall bait, uh, fall short of, of of clear scriptural principle. That's why I'm I'm just basically ignoring them, right? The first view. And many circles, a predominant view is the view regarding foreknowledge. What this view teaches is that God in his omnipresence has the ability to look down to the corridors of time and that he could see and know in advance who will respond positively to the call of gospel of Christ and who will not respond positively to the gospel. In other words, the gospel will be preached to men and some people will respond to the gospel saying yes to Christ and some will respond by saying no to, no to Christ. So, what God knows, what God now does according to this view as he looks into the future and sees who will become to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And God then predestined those people to receive the gift of heaven, to put it as it is, God then predestines the believer to heaven. The supporters of this view uh, appeal to uh, uh, verses such as, Romans 8.29, because of him he, he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he will be the firstborn among many brothers. And 1 Peter 1 verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you as a support to their opinion. The second view going to give both views then refute one and support one. The second view is the view of revolving around God's sovereignty. And this view goes far beyond the first view, what the first view teaches. What this view teaches is that God from all eternity does not predestine those who will believe, but he predestines certain people to believe. Hear the reference. Hear the, hear, hear, hear the difference. 
This view says that people are so morally corrupt, so God removed, uh, so far removed from God, that if it were left to people, that no one would ever believe, and therefore there would be no one for God to predestine in heaven. Let's put this view as it is. Before the foundation of the earth, God, out of his sovereign will, decided if he would bring you to faith or if he would not bring you to faith. In other words, your eternal destination was rooted and founded and originated in God's predestined amazing grace. Right? Now, I need to say this. Um... Because this is exactly what this view teaches, I'll be, I'll be misleading you and creating a misunderstanding if I don't explain this completely. What this view says then is that if God has not predestined you to receive his grace, then you will not receive his grace. Your destiny will not be heaven and God and his angels and the saints. Okay, so we got that out of the way, right? So, that's two prominent views today, right? Now, before I support Ryan Futile, let me sum up very, very quickly, okay? With the first view, says that God predestined those that he knows that will believe, right? Um, see, that our ultimate destiny and the most decisive, the, the most crucial decision depends on a person's ultimate destiny rests with us. The second view and the most decisive view is the most crucial decision that determines a person's ultimate destiny is made by God. A world of difference, isn't it? Right now, let me briefly give you the answers with regard to which, uh, which view I support. Then I will begin to discuss these. But, you know, I don't have the time to discuss the other view that I don't support, right? Which view do that I do support? I support the view that teaches that God predestines people to believe and I reject the first teaching that God predestines people because they believe. Now, just in closing, for the simple reason that I can't leave you without something to consider, for when we get into the argument on a much de deeper level, let me tell you why I don't support the foreknowledge teaching and why I do support the sovereignty of God teaching. Firstly, in a nutshell, why I do reject the foreknowledge teachings, I need to simply think logically for a moment, right? You guys need to think logically for a moment. And I know that's a dangerous thing, but simply because our logic is flawed, when it comes to God, but because foreknowledge is a human understanding of the doctrine of predestination, we can use log logic to dismiss this teaching. If it is so that God predestined those who will believe, what is God actually doing, right? He's doing nothing, right? Is You know, he is not making any decisions. He's, he's not exercising his sovereign providence. He is not in control because God, if God is predestining me because he knows that I will believe, then I need to ask, then I need to ask who is, who then is in control? Now, of course the answer is I am, right? So basically what that teaching is saying 
is that God looks down the corridors of time and sees that I will believe. And then in an attempt to maintain his God godliness, he predestines me to heaven. So it, it, this sounds ridiculous when I say it like that, doesn't it? Now, another, there's another logic that flows from this. If I am in control of my life and my ultimate destiny, the next question that needs to answer is who is sovereign? And that answer is I am. And if I am sovereign, according to the teaching of the Bible, which tells us that there is only one sovereign being, then God is not sovereign. And if he is not sovereign, he is not God. Just to end this part of this, this, this discussion, if the teaching supports that predestination is based on foreknowledge of God is true, then scripture is not true. Roman, Romans 3 says, there is no one righteous. There is no one who does good. Not one. There is no one who seeks God. Now, if it is because of my choice to serve God that causes him to predestine me, then Romans 3 is incorrect. And to be very frank and blunt, I believe that scripture over man's opinion any day of the week. But then, why do I believe in uh, believe the doctrine that says God decided before the foundation of the earth whom he would give grace and receive his salvation and redemption and adopt sons and daughters, which says that God decides whom he will save and whom he will not save. Well, let's go back to Ephesians 1 verse 5. He predestined us. In other words, he determined before the foundations of the world that he could choose or select us for what? For adoption, which refers directly to salvation. Right? Let's say in the verse, and that, and, and, and let's see why predestined, why he predestined according to his purpose his, of, of his will. Verse 11 pretty much this says the same thing, Work, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. John 15, 16 says it so clearly, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you. And then Romans 9, 15 through 20, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion whom I have compassion. So it depends not on human will or, or exer, uh, ex, exertion, but on God, who is mercy, who has mercy, for the Scripture says to Pharaoh, uh, uh, "For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth." So then, He has mercy on whom He wills, and hardens on whomever He wills. You know, you, you'll you'll say, "Well, why does He find fault?" For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will that molded say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? To make out of it some lump of one vessel honorable to use and another dishonorable to use? See, there's two verses that very feebly support the teaching of foreknowledge. And by that way, uh, they are used in isolation and out of context. While 
There are 80 verses in the New Testament alone which support the view which places the power and the decisions in the hand of an omnipotent sovereign God. It's not scary, guys. It's wonderful. Right? And it places God on his throne as the king of kings, as sovereign, omnipotent, gives him power over his creation to do what he deems fit. Right? So with predestination is sure and true due to this due to scripture, most American churches will not discuss this through it because to discuss this thought because they want to keep their seats filled and their money coming in. I get it. But if we stay true to scripture, then predestination is is fact and needs to be discussed regularly out the pulpit and discussed not with preachers' own interpretation of scripture, but by keeping scripture in context. Sola Scriptura. We need to understand that in re in all reality, we really do not have a choice in this matter. Predestination is, is a biblical fact. And the old theologians preached it from the pulpit. And I believe this doctrine should be preached in today's pulpit in biblical context. You know, I know I, I went over a lot because I, I really think that predestination is, is, is a doctrine that should be discussed in every church and we need to have a biblical understanding of it. You know, there, there, there's a lot of people out there, you know, and he has foreknowledge. Don't get me wrong. The Bible says he's got foreknowledge and that he foreknew, right? So we have to, we have to agree with that. But I'm just giving you where I camp out at, right? My belief, right? So guys, I uh, hope you guys are enjoying uh, that you've enjoyed today's study. Um, and uh, God bless you guys, man. I mean, this has been fun. This has been really, really, really fun. Uh, again, pray for me. I, I'm going to be down. Hopefully, I'll be back to work tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm working at uh, Wicked Wrench, uh, my my brother's company, and and uh, and uh, just hope I get back to work tomorrow, man. Because I don't like being down. You know. Um, and if you guys are in Fruitland, Idaho, and you guys are watching from Fruitland, Idaho, and you guys need a good mechanic, go to Wicked Ranch Automotive, uh, 1010 Northwest 16th Street, Fruitland, Idaho. You know, um, I love being out here, man. I'm so glad I'm out of California, but I miss my friends. I miss, you know, I miss my friends out there, man. I do. I mean, I have a lot of friends in California, but God brought me out here. It's kind of crazy. So uh, uh, let's, a uh, couple couple more announcements before I close. Guys, we need your support badly. We need to come up with a pulpit. We need to come up with some chairs, coffee makers, stuff like that, right? We may have our building already, but we need your help. We need your support, right, uh, to open this church up, uh, Made Free Church Idaho. Guys, God bless you. God bless you. If you go to madefreechurch.org, you go to Made Free Church Idaho, there is a, a PayPal link that's set up there as well. Also, 
uh, Pastor Henry from our Made Free Church uh, Uganda needs your guys' support as well. And if you go to the website, go to Made Free Church Uganda, there is a PayPal link. So either one, we, we just need your support, guys. And Made Free Church California needs your support as well. So guys, please give out of the abundance. I mean, whether it's a dollar, whether it's $5, it doesn't matter. Every little bit counts, guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, guys, I want to thank you for being here. Um, and uh, uh, you guys are awesome. I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, and bless you guys, man. You know, um, Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you for your word and we thank you for this time, God. And thank you that you predestined us before the foundations of the world. And God bless you. We love you. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have an amazing day. God bless you guys.